0: The first thing you should actually focus on is lowering your energy usage, LED lighting, making sure the building's insulated well. Then it's also looking at solar to lower your cost of energy. Hello, welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast. I'm your host, Benoit Thangin.
1: And I'm your co-host, Lee Wang.
0: We have an exciting episode today, and we're basically talking about how companies are reaching 100% renewable energy goals. Companies like Facebook, Google, Microsoft have committed to basically have 100% of their energy from renewable energy. And I think this will be, you know, very insightful to all the mavericks out there.
1: First of all, Benoit, let me ask you. What makes up the criteria for 100%? How is that decided?
0: So basically reaching 100% renewables is a goal that companies have. And there's like multiple different ways that they could reach that. The three primary ways is that they have renewable energy on their buildings and their land. And they use that to produce renewable energy. There's ways of contracting for it from Renewable Energy Project Offsite, which is called an Offsite Power Purchase Agreement, PPA. The other thing is being renewable through RECs, Renewable Energy Certificates, which equal one megawatt hour of electricity. And that's another way companies could use that. And then they retire those RECs to qualify to be 100%
1: renewable energy. You just named some pretty big corporations that were achieving this 100% renewable Status, how much does the fact that they've led the way help pave the way for others, and how much of it influences others to do so?
0: Definitely. I think what we're seeing is everyone's becoming passionate about renewable energy and sustainable energy, that people believe that climate change is for real. These companies took the initiative to have these lofty goals. And then they found ways to do that, and really, other companies are using it as a blueprint for them to reach 100% renewable energy goals. There seems to be, you know, new companies always coming to the forefront that are focused on being 100% green energy.
1: Right, and you mentioned a uh, term offsite corporate PPAs, and you actually wrote a an article about this. Tell the our listeners a little bit more about what these off-site PPAs are. Sure. So basically an off-site PPA is a,
0: a power purchase agreement where a company agrees to buy power from a solar or wind facility for a certain period of time. Usually the term of the contract, when you say an off-site PPA, is between 10 to 13 years. And it's a what they call a, a contract of differences, which is basically Power is not directly exchanged, and it's more of a financial mechanism to qualify as green energy.
1: What are the best candidates for this type of agreement? When would you recommend a company engage in this?
0: So I think the first thing is basically the company should first look on site and because it's a lot easier to do. On site solar and basically put as much power as they can from an on site system. Off site is uh, when you want something additional to your current source of power. The challenging thing with that is these contracts are extremely complicated. So you really need like an energy department and a strong legal counsel, and obviously there's also consulting companies that help like renew energy with procuring these types of contracts and understanding how they're structured. So the easiest way before was people would just buy recs. Uh, We talked about Greenies in the past where it basically is from a renewable energy facility that represents one megawatt hour of energy. But a lot of these companies now want to actually procure the energy from this uh, renewable energy project instead of just doing an environmental commodity through a REC.
1: So in your uh, line of work, what are some examples of really successful models of this?
0: It kind of depends. I mean, there's a lot of different projects that have, have signed to these agreements. The key thing is obviously if a company is going into this agreement that they should be in the money When it comes to doing this type of transaction, what we've seen sometimes is that power prices have been historically low and sometimes even go lower than the agreed upon PPA price. So even though companies have said that they want to be 100% renewables, they still, um, at the end of the day, want to lower their electricity costs and they won't get into these offsite PPAs if they are. But if power prices are going lower, than what they expected, then they'll lose money. So being really conservative on what the PPA value is going to be and then, you know, realistically coming up with the curve that actually looks to be, you know, more realistic than people who say that power prices are going to rise over time to be conservative and hesitant before you do one of these transactions because it's extremely complicated and you could potentially be paying more for your power with renewable energy than
1: buying it from the grid. So there are some risks involved.
0: There are definitely several risks that outside of even just that, like where you the reconciliation point of where you reconcile the energy, which is called basis risk. There's a lot of different power price risk is another factor that we mentioned as well. So there are a lot of risks with these sort of transactions. And, you know, you really need to work with, experts in the industry to to be able to...
1: Experts such as Renew Energy? Such as
0: Renew. I was trying not to plug in
1: uh, too much, but yes, obviously this
0: is something that we help companies with, and there are also other alternatives, like two that are less risky, like green tariffs, where utilities basically are providing green power to businesses in their utility service area, and you don't take the same sort of risks that you would with procuring directly from a facility.
1: Right. Um, I'm going to skip around a little bit because I didn't want to forget to ask you about it. You're heading to Colombia in the upcoming weeks. Can you tell us a little bit about that conference and what you're up to?
0: Yeah, definitely. So we've done stuff internationally, specifically more in Asia. We helped one of the biggest panel manufacturers in India with their strategy of of selling panels into US. We've looked at projects in Asia, both in Vietnam, Thailand, and Philippines. You know, we think South America is a great market. There is a solar conference in Colombia that that I will be attending. And we believe that there's a lot of great opportunity in South America. You have obviously a high cost of electricity, you have a lot of sunlight. And the market's still early, and a lot of these companies are looking for U.S. expertise. So we act as a consultant for companies that are looking to go solar, and we've helped a lot of international companies. And we think you know, South America, specifically Colombia, from what we've heard, could be a good market. But we primarily focus on the U.S., Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, and of course, California, where we've opened two offices in Los Angeles and San Diego. And correct me if I'm plugging
1: too much. <laughs> <laughs> this is your show, Benoit. Oh,
0: OK. You are a maverick. <laughs> you're the co-host. Cool yeah, yeah. you, I'll reel really you in with it. Yeah, reel really me in.
1: So back to the uh, topic of 100% renewable, as far as corporations go. When is there a case when it's not feasible? What What are some limiting factors that you see? Or do you, do you see possibility if you work hard enough and, and make it happen?
0: I mean, I think going back to the point, like these contract of differences with the offsite PPA are really complicated to structure. So a lot of companies are very hesitant and it also costs a lot of money. Uh, When it comes to legal agreements and negotiating the power purchases, there are a lot of upfront costs. There's a lot of upfront costs related to doing that. So, you know, you definitely, as I said, need to be very cautious before you go into something like that. What we've seen is really your big companies that have big balance sheets that have a sophisticated energy department in-house and legal department in-house have been able to move forward with these transactions. You're not really seeing smaller companies getting involved. You you are seeing a little bit of it. I think the great thing is that utilities, seeing that uh, their customers want green energy, are now offering green tariffs. So I spoke at a panel in Solar Power International, where we talked about off-site PPAs. Camila Harris was from Georgia Power, and they've, they have a lot of green tariff programs. Puget Sound Energy, which is in Seattle, Washington, has green tariffs. So we're seeing more and more utilities offering, and it doesn't have the same sort of risk where you could opt out of the contract after a brief period of time. So yes, these contracts are, are very complicated. And the hard thing, too, is You know, as these big companies reach their 100% renewable energy goals, there are a lot of small companies that want to do it. But let's say if they want to get the power offtake, it wouldn't be the whole project. So there are issues of, you know, how do you bundle up smaller customers to be able to take the power? And it creates a lot of... There's also issues related to credit, because if you're going to sign Buy Energy... For 12 to 13 years and you're a smaller business, it might be challenging for you to basically pass credit. So Mm -hmm. there are a lot of challenges and it has really only been really big companies that have been able to do it. But what we're hoping is with Green tariffs, with, you know, accepted sort of language on the PPA and other sort of backstops that all companies will be able to take advantage of. Green power and corporate PPAs, off-site PPAs, have allowed a lot of development all over the,
1: the U.S. So if I'm a smaller business owner and I'm a little more limited on funds, what would you recommend would be the first step I should take to trying to achieve that goal, right? What would be the most beneficial action that would be a good first step for me?
0: A good first step is looking at solar on your existing facility, and seeing if it's an ideal location for solar based on the power price, your consumption, based on your roof or uh, shading and open areas. And you could either own the system, which you'll get a bigger payback, or you could do a power purchase agreement with an outside company where you would get between a 10 to 20% discount in your electricity. I mean, most companies are not going to move forward with the renewable energy project if it doesn't save money as i said before there are greenies out there which represent one megawatt hour of energy usually the cost of a greenie is below a $1 dollar or a dollar fifty so you know that's a sort of an easier way of meeting 100 percent renewable energy goals than going into these corporate off-site ppas where you're
1: procuring the power so has the um, cost of going solar on your own facility gone down significantly in the last uh, few years? Definitely. So uh,
0: you know what we've seen is the cost of solar panels have gone down like four hundred to five hundred percent. That's a lot. It's amazing. It's it's huge. And then what we're seeing is like I don't know if you're familiar with. Moore's Law, which is the cost of yes. the chip technology is getting more advanced, but also the computing power is going up exponentially. That's same thing's happening with solar. As the cost of panels are going down, we're seeing that the amount of usable energy that you could actually convert from sunlight into usable energy is increasing substantially as well. I mean, in the beginning, we used to see capacity factors from what i remember of 12 to 13% now the newer panels have like 22%. there's state level incentives. right now there's a 30% investment tax credit that's going to start stepping down. there's 50% accelerated depreciation. the exciting thing too is a lot of states are now having their own goals of of 100% renewables i know in the previous podcast we talked about california And their goals of 100% renewables in their other states that have that, which is then then they're creating policy or state-level incentives to stimulate more development. So the first focus should be on on on-site renewable energy development before anything else.
1: Switching gears a little bit here, obviously you as a business owner in solar want to live the renewable lifestyle. Benoit, talk to our listeners a little bit about what you do in your daily habits that espouse the ideology of renewability. I know you have a solar backpack, but <laughs> what are, I know you're, you're focused on big companies, but I'm sure you are thinking about a lot and think of ways that you yourself can live a more renewable lifestyle.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's the three R's, which is reduce, reuse, recycle. So I try to do that in my personal life. So reduce the consumption of electricity. So obviously I'll turn lights off i won't keep things on because it's a waste of energy you know i have moved to led lights which are more efficient and last a longer period of time i'm focused on like recycling you know anything this may be
1: a silly question but probably useful for most people are led light bulbs compatible with most uh, modern outlets and and plugs
0: led bulbs are pretty much anywhere you could go to home depot and and lowe's and your major and now i feel like the majority of light bulbs that Mm -hmm. are actually being sold is led it's interesting because um this actually goes back into big companies the first thing you should actually focus on is lowering your energy usage So before you go solar or any other renewable energy, so it's first like doing LED lighting. It's making sure the building's insulated well so that you're not losing heat very easily. Then it's about, you know, lowering your electricity cost through third-party electricity providers. If you're in a deregulated market, then it's also looking at solar to lower your cost of energy. So reduce, reuse, recycle are kind of the things that and it's pretty common sense to try to lower your carbon footprint and that's pretty well you much live a you
1: also have, live in a very urban environment, right? That helps in, in general. I see you've had the same car for many years. So <laughs> so it's a fair fuel efficient car. Um, but in general you talk about reducing the footprint, but the fact that you take public transportation and walk that that certainly has to add up.
0: Those are good points. I mean, like, you know, not really wasting. I think as well, I'm becoming more of a minimalist over time or trying to. Mm -hmm. Have you read the
1: book, The Minimalist? I
0: haven't. I (laughs) actually have read, uh, there's a Japanese book, I'm totally blanking out on the name, that talks about the benefits of being a minimalist. So, you know, I'm really trying to have less things which mm-hmm. obviously i think and only also...
1: clothing with giants <laughs> lo- logo on it so that that will help uh, your choices in the morning yeah it helps choice. my choice. that or renew energy yeah. right okay maybe, well. maybe both All maybe both right. right. and then eventually
0: getting an electric car i'm actually on the the wait list for uh the tesla three so eventually you know i've had the same car for a long time but uh obviously electric yeah. cars better than actually
1: your... that's a great point tesla for years has been known as an innovative leader, but now their sales are on pace to um, exceed certain categories. They've become a really viable choice for not just the elite, right? They've actually been able to really make inroads in actual numbers of Tesla on the road.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the exciting thing is that Tesla 3 has come out, which is more price for I guess the middle class, it's between thirty to forty thousand. And that's actually the one that I'm on the wait list on. And then I think the key thing though, obviously Tesla has built the gigafactory in Las Vegas where they're mass in Nevada, sorry, where they're mass producing these batteries, but the price of The batteries, these lithium, we're seeing like the same price decreases that we saw in the early stages with solar panels, specifically with the lithium ion battery technology. And we're going to see those same decreases in the cost of the battery. So when you look at a Tesla, really the biggest cost is the battery. And if the price of batteries could go down by 100 200%, in the next three to five years, which I think will probably go more than that, right. then electric cars become very affordable. And we spend a lot of time looking at batteries because I know I've said this in several of our podcasts, solar plus storage is the future. Those same batteries that are you're using for your car will also be used for solar plus storage projects. So it's exciting that Tesla, I admit I'm biased because I used to work at Solar City, yeah. one of Elon's companies, and then solar city was bought by tesla but i think he's done an amazing job with the company obviously there's been some ups and downs and some of the things that he said uh, you know obviously on his twitter account about the sec and declarations he made but overall i think they've done a, a great job and really it's a race when you call about energy storage and and getting batteries to be economical i think there's a city in china that the Chinese government has invested in all these different battery companies. And and really, I think that's going to be a game changer. So it's exciting what Tesla is doing. And I think with the job that Tesla has been doing, it's the bigger automakers now are also coming up with their electric cars as well in detroit and in japan and some germany as well with the bmw as well
1: speaking of that the show is also not just for people interested in solar but people interested in entrepreneurship you hit upon a a very important point even though other companies may be producing their own versions of electronic cars tesla will probably still be years ahead as far as branding and association with being the market leader in, the, in that.
0: Definitely. I think when you think of electric cars, you think of Tesla, it's like, uh, you know, when you think of rollerblades, which actually is not as popular, it's really inline skating, but you really think of the the brand, the rollerblade. And I think that's what Tesla has done. And if you haven't had the opportunity, you should definitely test drive the car. They've done an amazing job with the car and kind of all the, the features that it has and and how it drives on the road. So it's definitely like that's actually the only electric car I've ever test drive. But from everyone I've talked to, everyone has said amazing things about the car, and, and they've done a great job with the quality and the look as well.
1: What I've also was surprised to learn, and in hindsight not as surprised because of all the innovation involved with the company, but Tesla is if not the safest car on the road because of certain ways that it's built in fact that there's a lot of collision forgiveness because of the fact of where the engine is located and how much the chassis can absorb contact and I mean that's amazing to me and deceleration and all these other properties that people don't associate necessarily with the electric car it's amazing that they're they're able to produce not only the most energy-efficient car, but also one of the best cars, period, on the road. As far as, like you said, the acceleration is is incredible.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like the safety, it's definitely been amazing that they've won all those awards for safety. And yeah, the acceleration of the car, it accelerates pretty quickly, and and you don't hear it because it's not your engine. It's It's a different way that they've... It's pretty impressive what they've been able to do. And then, you know, I think Elon Musk, obviously... With him being part of Tesla, it's uh, people are willing to buy stuff, and, and that's probably baked in because of him, and, and I
1: think they do a great job of marketing as well. And speaking of that and branding and marketing, what do you think are some of the best branding and marketing attributes that Tesla has done as, as an entrepreneur? What do you admire about the way they've branded themselves?
0: You know, if you look at their car, they're pretty sleek and futuristic. I think so aesthetics. Aesthetics, yeah. the branding of Tesla as well, using that name of Nikolai Tesla. Tell us a little bit about that. So I mean Nikolai Tesla was an inventor actually a long time. I guess he died in 1943. He was an electrical engineer and Did he you just came, Wikipedia that? I just I'm just Wikipedia <laughs> it for you. So uh but yeah, no, but he, he was an inventor of the electric system, actually right. AC. I think he ended up, from what I remember, you know, being bankrupt. But he's, you know, known for all these sort of inventions with our modern day electric current. So I think I just like the name Tesla as well, and then yeah. I think Elon as well is a great person for the brand. I think he does a great job of uh, him. It's kind of like Steve Jobs and Apple, and he's built himself as like an, an an invader and game changer, and people want to be associated. With that brand,
1: so to your knowledge, how many car types is Tesla offering now? You mentioned one that is going to be a little, a little bit more affordable. That's one of the things, When I, when they first came out, they were definitely sportier than than they came out. You know, I have kids. I think about different things. What, what's available now for that would would uh, appeal to a wider consumer base?
0: Sure. So they have like the Tesla Three, which is the sort of thirty to forty thousand dollars, the Model S. Which is the bigger sort of sedan, right. and then they have the Model X, which is like the van, and then I guess they're coming out with another Tesla Roadster, right? Which I don't think has come out yet. So there's really only really three right now that are basically mainstream: the Model Three, the Model X, and the Model
1: S. So that's it. Yeah. That's it, but, but yeah. there's there's beauty and simplicity too. Oh
0: yeah, well I like that too because it reminds me of actually Apple. Right, they right. didn't have many products and then i think it's also easier too from a production standpoint Mm -hmm. right Right. not having a million different options right let's focus on these three or four it's like when you go to a diner right they have a million options sometimes like the food isn't all that great Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of different options to choose from but if they focused on four or five things that are, are really good that they make you know maybe that makes a difference within sales especially when you're talking about producing a car That's, you know, another level of complexity.
1: So in your mind, let's continue this discussion. What else do you do besides reduce your footprint? What are some other ways that you live a renewable lifestyle? You have a solar backpack. How are you espousing that?
0: As I said, you know, I recycle whenever I can. Being a minimalist, I'm using like less sort of space. I use a third party energy supplier. So, I'm what is that? Yeah. In deregulated electricity mm-hmm. markets in the US, mm-hmm. you have the choice of who you could actually buy the electricity Most people don't from. know that probably. They oh, you don't know, okay. know that's an option, <laughs> you know? yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, most people think they just have to, you know, it's like cable companies, right? You're only subject to what's available in your area.
0: You're still working with the same utility, mm-hmm. but then technically you could choose your who you're buying the energy. Okay. And then basically you could buy it from a company that produces renewable energy or or gets their electricity from renewable energy. So, you know, I'm basically paying in my electric bill a third party supplier that basically
1: offers renewable energy. So this is an option you can select as a consumer with yeah. with, your yeah. with, with your provider. With your provider. Okay. Well I think that we've covered a lot on this show, annoy. Tell us a little bit more. Besides your trip to Columbia, what else are you going to be doing in the next few months? I know you're a busy guy. (laughs) Sure. There's a lot of exciting things. You know, we actually haven't launched. When you hear this
0: episode, we have launched, but we're excited because the podcast will be officially out. We recently won an engagement with the New York Housing Authority with putting solar on their roofs in Manhattan and Brooklyn through Community Solar, and it's an innovative private and public partnership there's a, a, some other cool sort of projects that we're also developing as well that you know I'll provide more information we're also looking at some stuff in Vietnam which is pretty exciting uh, you know a lot of these countries are looking for financing for their projects and we we have connections to companies in the US that would be interested in investing
1: so are you brushing up on your Gangnam style?
0: <laughs> so I do have some songs that I am working on. It's not Gangnam style. It's American songs that, you know, I think... Will work? Will work, I mean, yes. Okay. So uh, Yeah, so there's a lot of exciting stuff. I mean, it's crazy. It's We're going to have our holiday party, and this episode will probably come out sometime in
1: December. So how many years are you celebrating uh, being in business at Renew Energy? Now?
0: So we started business August of 2012, all right. So it's been six years and four months, which is crazy how time has, has flown by and how the company has really progressed and changed. And, you know, what we initially thought we were doing, like being an SREC broker, we really kind of expanded and, and doing a lot of different things in the solar space and adding value. It's been pretty exciting. I don't think
1: those giants have won a Super Bowl since you started, though.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately not. But I try to tell myself two Super Bowls in 11 years and four
1: <laughs> Super Bowls,
0: which I've been alive for all four Super Bowls, which have been pretty right. exciting. But I'm a biased fan. And no yeah. matter win or lose, I still will be at the games freezing in the cold in
1: December. So, Benoit, that's an amazing experience you had working for Solar City. Talk a little bit about the company culture, how they did things, uh, what you liked about that experience.
0: Definitely. So... SolarCity, for me, was an amazing experience. Um, I never worked at a Silicon Valley startup until that point. At that point, SolarCity wasn't a publicly traded company. It was one of Elon Musk's company. I actually worked in the project finance group and actually would work with uh, the CEO of SolarCity, Lyndon Rive, who's Elon Musk's cousin. And Lyndon and Peter are the founders of the company. But it was an amazing experience. I mean, Everyone there was really passionate about solar and renewable energy. Everyone was extremely smart and had different sort of backgrounds. The goals to grow the company were pretty crazy when I think about it. And at that point, they were hiring five people a day at the company. So like it was funny because I was actually going back and forth between an office in Princeton and then once a month in San Mateo, California. And then there'll be all these new people who would enter... The company. So it was a really exciting time. Even I think about the Esrex as well. So I basically helped start Solar City's Eshrek Trading Desk, which was Solar City was predominantly a West Coast company looking to move to the East Coast markets. These environmental commodities are big incentives in the Northeast. And they hired me to help come up with the strategy. And you know, I basically started my company as a consultant for them which obviously helped starting my own company and having a big client. But it was crazy from having no volume to basically then having a multi-million dollar uh, portfolio where I was helping them broker the, those sort of transactions. So it's a huge responsibility. It was definitely a huge responsibility to kind of really come up with our strategy and how to monetize with with the rest of the, the SolarCity team and and to work in a company that at that time, was really dominating the solar space and then eventually was acquired by
1: Tesla. Did you learn a lot about the way to do business and structuring and teamwork there uh, that you've applied to your own company and your own business? Definitely. So
0: I think one of the things that I learned there was to think bigger. And whenever, you know, I would say, oh, it's not possible. I remember Lyndon would say to me, Lyndon, who's the CEO, yep. you have to think bigger than that. And I think that's a normal human thing that, you know, we we have these big ideas, but then we find reasons why it's not gonna work. Right. But really we should be constantly sort of pushing ourselves and thinking bigger and doing more than we think we can, because it's all about progress and where you're gonna go. Even now today, I'm still saying to myself, you know, I have to think bigger. I really have to push. You know my limits and that's more of a mental sort of construct that I believe we always think of why things can happen. So I think that and then also it gave me the confidence to start my own business. In previous podcasts, I talked about how both parents had my own their own business. but I felt like you know if I could be successful at Solar City, why couldn't I be successful having my own company and, and doing it on my own? So I think those were the two th- big things that I learned from working there was thinking bigger also given me the confidence to start my company there's some cultural things that i took from the company Mm -hmm. you know we're more like sort of laid back in our culture in the sense of being very casual but extremely hardworking. also i think another thing you know people were very transparent and i think that's one uh, reason the company was very successful and That's some of the big values that I have for my company, Renew Energy, is about being transparent, both to you know fellow people, employees, but also to our clients and our customers, whether it be positive or negative.
1: Does transparency promote accountability? Then, in your mind,
0: Uh, it it definitely does. Yes, it definitely because
1: everyone knows where everyone is at at every stage. Yeah, and then
0: and as far as communication, the more transparent you are, it's just easier for people to understand where you're coming from and what you're trying to do and come up with with better solutions.
1: It also sounds like by thinking big, you also remove some of the fear of making a mistake because in order to achieve something big, there must be some margin of error to get as far because to execute on a big idea, there there has to be risks.
0: Definitely. I mean, I think that's the other thing too, is failure, accepting failure. The most successful people or the most successful company are failing more than most and learning from it and adapting and learning from other mistakes of other people or other companies. So I think that that is a, a sort of a key thing as well to think about.
1: What has been your biggest failure?
0: <laughs> There's been many failures in my life. I don't know what's the biggest failure because I don't look at them as failures now. I look at them as learning experiences and what I could learn from that, not that it's a failure. And I think thinking it from that perspective then changes it. And I believe every failure is supposed to happen because you it's about growing as a person. And, and if you don't learn from failure and grow from that, then you're never going to improve or progress. So.
1: So I'm gonna push you again. What was your biggest failure?
0: I still don't even
1: know,
0: <laughs> uh, I still don't even know what my biggest failure is. That's uh, That's for the
1: next episode. Yeah, that's for the so we'll think about that one.
0: Yeah, that give me some time to think about that one.
1: Maybe uh not drafting a quarterback. <laughs> no, uh, so I didn't, that was not my failure. That's the New York Giants' yeah. failure. But I actually think Saquon
0: Barkley was the answer, considering what
1: right what was available,
0: and also that Eli Manning was the solution at that time. All right. But what was my biggest failure? I'm still. I really have to think about that's that. That's okay. okay. You know what that, that says to
1: me is that you left it behind and it doesn't linger on you, right Yeah, now. I try to move on right. from things pretty quickly,
0: so I'm not really. You know, I think that's another thing, right? Yeah, you can't take the present for granted. Yeah i think a lot of people do and this goes back to another podcast so it's really kind of living yeah. life to the fullest yes i've made a lot of mistakes but i've learned from it but i try not to dwell on it because then you're living on the past and really what you could focus on the now that's the same thing with the future right as well
1: you know actually i've learned this in talking with you is I did download the Headspace app, so sure. I started to work on my own meditation. But one thing that struck me was that what meditation helped you with was becoming less anxious, right? Yeah. So kind of what you're speaking to is clarity and being able to free yourself from these blockages, right, of, of past mistakes or past inaction. And the fact that you're sitting here unable to recall your biggest failure, means that in some ways that you've you've left it behind or able to clear that pathway
0: yeah definitely that's really well said and yeah that's great that you're looking at the headspace i think it's trying to and i'm by the way still trying to develop this is like trying to look at things not from your own perspective and trying to look at it rationally any situation Think about it and logically make a decision that makes sense. Obviously, you go by your, your, what you're feeling your gut is, but, um, and then controlling your emotion and helping make a rational decision. Because really, honestly, success in business and business in life is about being strategic. It's about working hard, but it's also about working smart and doing what you believe you want to do and what's your purpose. So,
1: yeah. And this goes back to kind of what we talked about the principle of. Uh, simplification of what Tesla is doing, uh, but being able to focus on projects that are most meaningful and perhaps leading to being the most profitable for you too, which should go hand in hand.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned that because I'm trying to simplify my life and I think that's helped as well with the business. So we're not going after a million different opportunities. We're simplifying it to what's the best opportunities and what we want to focus on even like on a to-do list I only have like three or four things that I'm trying to accomplish today right that's the three or four things that are the most important things Mm -hmm. that need to be accomplished right
1: well it's funny you said it because I've been cutting down on time with email because that seems like you're doing a lot but is it really productive right there are certain emails that are going to be lead to more productivity and others but Really cutting down time and focusing on accomplishing things that move the needle. And that's including completion to a certain extent. You know, one thing that we've been doing here between us is dedicating a regular time devoted to this podcast. And hopefully that, you know, you feel that pays off.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's paying off. I mean, it's amazing listening to our first episode and how. It's gotten a lot better. Obviously, it has a long way to go. I mean, we've just started this whole process and journey, and you know, a lot of people would have just given up during the whole process. But you know, we kept pushing. Lee's been great about pushing me. We're getting better Um, at the
1: equipment. little little things, little things things that can matter. Right,
0: and then we're gonna have video, and we're gonna be able to call, do long distance as well. I think it's all about self improvement and getting. I mean,
1: this also. Hits upon the point of having an idea is one thing, but executing upon an idea is another yeah. thing. I think feel like advice to any of our Maverick listeners that are also entrepreneurs is that take steps to execute, take ideas, put them down on paper, whether that's actual paper or on your computer, but start manifesting ideas just by making it a reality instead of it just in your head. Definitely. You've heard
0: this one, Lee. Maybe talk is cheap. Play the game. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like so many people talk about what they're going to do. I actually don't talk about it. I just start doing it. And I just, just, so many people are talking and talking and talking. And then I see there's like no progress. So it's really, I think another thing is like having goals and it's about progress. It's not like any little improvement. It starts compounding over
1: time so you know it's funny it always comes back to football we both love football but um i'm probably butchering a nick Saban quote but he said something along the lines that when your actions are so loud that i can't hear you speaking and he's just talking about the fact that that's another way of saying actions speak louder than words but when you know that really brings it home but because your actions are so powerful that it doesn't even matter what comes out of your mouth yeah, at the end of the day, everyone's watching your actions, not
0: really. They're listening as well, but people are really watching actions and seeing actions. So that is a great point. I didn't know yeah. The Nick Saban, who's done an
1: amazing job, you know, obviously at Alabama. Exactly. I don't think. Uh, tie. <laughs> uh, the way, tie. The way they manhandled LSU, I'm, uh, I'm not sure, <laughs> you know, if. Obviously, Clemson did did beat them, but it's going to be a tougher year this year. Yeah. So
0: I'm excited about yeah. Tua, who's the quarterback. Yeah. for Alabama. I wish the Giants
1: could draft him. In two years. <laughs> well, we we need help. Well, great. We'll be tackling more topics, not only in solar but also about entrepreneurship. So again, Benoit, where where do people reach you if they have any questions they want us to tackle on the air? Sure. So
0: it's info at RenewEnergy dot com. Info at reneuenergy.com dot Info at renewenergy.com.
1: And can people connect with you on social media on your uh, LinkedIn sure. profile? And is there a renew energy LinkedIn profile? So
0: there's a renew energy LinkedIn. It's R-E-N-E-U, not the W energy. And then I'm on LinkedIn as well, Benoit Angin also you know where could people find the marketing and
1: brand strategist very wang? easy mj like michael jordan wang which is my last name like alexander wang the designer wow. oh i'm sorry mjwangmedia.com that's, that's my i couldn't get the sure. uh other url you're
0: gonna be big than gary vanderchuk
1: Va- vanderchuk vander vanderchuk <laughs> yeah,
0: vanderchuk sorry <laughs>
1: He's a great guy.
0: And a Jets fan, unfortunately.
1: That's part of his story. So. Yeah, but his story as well. So, All right. Thanks. Another great episode of The Solar Maverick.
0: Thank you. Talk to you soon, Mavericks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five-star review. That helps us build this community. And that's what we're all about right now building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can.